And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Oh, Doc Manson, what is it about winter that just sucks? Uh, pretty much everything, DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. Uh, 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 the weather is terrible. The temperature is terrible. The darkness at 4 o'clock is terrible. Uh, you know, the salt on the roads is terrible. It's it, it's rusting your car as well as poisoning your dog, or in this case, my dog. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's very little to like. I mean, don't get me wrong. When it's snowing or, or fresh snow, it can be very picturesque, especially in a nice rural setting. It can be beautiful in a way, uh, as long as you don't have to go anywhere, like to work, which we always have to, because you know <laughs> it's New England. Speak well, not you, I guess. Yeah, but um, why why do you live here? I know you were born and raised in this area. Ding. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, it's where I'm from. It's where my my family is. It's where the majority of my friends are. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I guess I could pick up and move. But if I were going to, it probably would be like to Boston, which really isn't that far away. Um, Don't get me wrong. At times, I entertain going down south, Georgia or Mississippi or something like that. There, A lot of smaller colleges down there could like teaching liberal arts schools could be in use of somebody with my particular background and skill set. But you did enjoy, to... you did enjoy Mississippi when you were there. Well, there are parts of it that I enjoyed, but it being a hundred percent humid and feeling like you're literally underwater when you go outside at midnight is not one of them. Uh, it's, it's pretty humid down there in a way that is frankly unbearable. So is there a place that has just ideal weather conditions or is it just that just being outdoors? Are we basically saying that being outdoors is no fun? I bet you. I mean, in some ways, California, I think, is perfect or or even, you know, out that way. Some of like, you know, Arizona, perhaps it gets real hot, but it's a dry heat that I feel like is OK. The problem with California these days is it's so dry out there, and I one, I, I don't want to burn to death. Two, I don't want to, you know, have earthquakes randomly occurring. And, and three, even if I don't burn to death, the air quality from the burning all over the state is, is atrocious. So, like, just breathing is hazardous to your health now. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. All Maybe right. just the Midwest? Maybe just, like, somewhere out there in the in the... In the and middle destined, of the country? We're destined for Toledo? Perhaps. Or Topeka? Yeah. I, I mean... All right. it, maybe? I was just, you know... It, it's not the cold that bothers me. I actually enjoy the cold more than I enjoy the heat of summer here in New England. Not that... I wonder why that is. Because I'm a polar bear? Yeah. Um... It's the darkness. It's the driving home and it's 4.15 and you feel like it's 7 p.m. And you're just like – and so I was saying to Mrs. Matthews, you know, you got home a little late, which is 
you know, maybe around 6 p.m. for you, and it was pitch black out. And I was like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't come home in the dark every single it's night. It's awful, to be honest with you. Like, last night, I think I looked at the clock, and I was like, and I said to Mrs. Manson, I was like, how is it only 7.15? Because, like, you come home in the dark, and, like, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to go grocery shopping. You don't want to go driving anywhere. And so time just suddenly starts slipping on itself. And once you've been home for an hour, it literally could be 11 o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. And like your my body just has no way of knowing what time it actually is. And it, it, the night just lasts forever. In some ways that's good, but when you have nothing to do, it, it's almost torturous in a way. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I've been tired since the clocks changed. Yes. You know, I usually get up somewhere between 4 and 5 a.m. most of the year. My body tends to wake up. Now, I think, I don't know if it's because it's darker longer or what. Like, I I got woken up at 6. Then I can count, you know, it's it's maybe twice a month that I wake up after my wife. And this week, or today, she woke me up and she was like, it's 6, get out of bed. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be bad for somebody. And like you said, you are pretty uh, pretty much on a clock usually, so I'm sure it's more sort of discombobulating for you when it actually does happen to mm-hmm. you. I don't know. And I don't know about you. I think we've had this conversation, but I'm waking up like two or three times a night, and not just to go to the bathroom. It's just I'll wake up, and my internal clock will be like, oh, it must be morning. Let's go. And I'll walk into the kitchen, and I'm like, oh, it's 11.24. I should probably go back to sleep. Yeah, probably. But that's because you go to bed at like 6 p.m., though, right? (laughs) Not all the time, but (laughs) sometimes. But yes, yes, I do go to bed at 6 p.m. Sometimes I do. Anywho, how you doing? How's life? Oh, you know, life is... Life is grand. I, I love it so much, especially during the winter like we just talked about. But yeah, you know, no, things are good. Things are good. I was a little late at work tonight. Uh as as uh as I said, we were going through some uh some uh presentations related to uh some uh scientific sort of uh, consulting, I guess, or scientific expertise I was lending uh to a course on campus. Um so that was kind of cool being able to see uh, it was involved with the fine arts department, so being able to see like the, the finished products, the the animations that you know I sort of helped consult with for the semester. I think that's kind of it's cool and rewarding. So you know, a, a good reason to be stuck at work late, I guess. But yeah, but it's really hard going outside and being like, oh, I should walk back to my building, and it's already pitch black. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have the the campus thing. You know, I'll walk if I have to stay late. I walk out to the parking lot, but I can't imagine having to walk to a car and then have to, I don't know. I don't know how you do it, sir. I don't know that I'm cut out for a... So uh, I guess we should also maybe talk about how uh, we saw each other this last weekend. In person. We did. The Grinch was such a good movie. Uh, it can't was believe. so good. Yeah, it was so good that we couldn't even go see it because... No, it was sold out amazing now now i tend to be 
uh, annoying in the sense that I like to get to movies ridiculously early. Yeah. Like, oftentimes I get there before. I don't know about where people are listening, but, you know, they have this, like, set of commercials and Maria Menounos hosts this little, like, preview thing. I tend to get there before that even starts. When it's still just quiet in the theater? Because I want to get, you know, I want to make sure I have a good seat. I like sitting on the aisle because I tend to have to go to the bathroom and I don't want to disturb anybody. Oh, I love Uh, sitting in the middle. Nah, I don't. Got to be centered, man. You got to be looking dead on into the eyes. Nope. I like I like to be able to be on the end, especially because then that way, you know, it's likely you're not going to necessarily sit with anybody. So, but uh, but yeah, we, we got there. And Mrs. Matthews, of course, likes to sit in the middle of the row as well. So there's a nice berth between the two of you. Yeah, I call out to her. Are you enjoying the movie, hun? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, um. But, uh, yeah, it was sold out. So we stood in the lobby for a while. Yeah. And talked about the potential of whatever that was for D. They had some chair to preview, you know, some immersive. Yeah, it's uh, called D-Box. D-Box. Yeah, D as in dog. Do they put put your uh, popcorn in a D-bag before you go to the D-Box? I think you're a (laughs) D-Bag. Set and spike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so instead, we went to a, a local eatery. Um, I, I don't know we, if that's a chain or not. I, don't, I think it's fair. I, there's more than one of them, but okay. I don't. I don't know if it's like technically not enough a, that we can franchise. say we went to a Chili's or something like no, that. No, no. Uh, you you had a subpar grinder. Well, hold on a second. I had I had a subpar grinder. I had half of my wife's subpar grinder, and then I had. Seven eighths of your wife's subpar slice of cheese pizza. That is a true statement. You ate most of the food on the table. I wanted to uh, point this out because I'm sure you and Mrs. Matthews must have been talking about this on the ride home. Like, I cannot believe how much food Doc packed away on that table. What a disgusting beast he is. Mrs. Matthews asked because she is the kindest, gentlest person. She was like, did you want the pizza? And I gave it to Doc instead, and I said, no, I had my own giant slice of pizza and then a bowl of soup, so I was fine. That was literally the only conversation we had about it. Okay. Well, the thing I want to say is, though, as listeners to this show probably know, I have largely been on a gluten-free diet for most of the year. Oh, no. (laughs) And so I basically, in this one meal, stuffed myself with the most bread that I have eaten Probably, I guess Mrs. Manson said since April is when I've been on this diet basically since. And? And yeah, the next two days were pretty uh, tumultuous, let's say, uh, to say the least. The fact that it was, the worst part about it is it's not, like the pizza was fine. It was pizza. Um, None of it was worth it. No, it, <laughs> that it, was it. That was it. And here, I, I, you know, I, so to say the least. Now let's say the most. I ripped the most riproarious fart you can ever possibly imagine ripping. Yes, folks, that's where we are. Less than twelve minutes into DDT Pod <laughs> this week, we're not talking about wrestling. We're talking about Doc Manson ripping farts, 
ripping ass. Uh, no, but literally, like, we, we went to, I forget what night it was, because that was a Saturday we met. This might have been, like, Monday night. I was still feeling, you know, the effects. I went to bed and just... I don't know if you've ever had this feeling. Uh, I'm sure most people have. You know that feeling when it's just suddenly like a rush in your colon of, oh, God, my colon is full. And usually that is, you know, I'm going to take a massive diarrhea dump. Well, that's not what this was. This was just my colon literally filled with air. Like it just like just suddenly just like boop. And it was the just like ta- the last time boop. I had that feeling, my appendix came out What's the that? next day. The last what? time I had that feeling, my appendix came out the next day. <laughs> well, it was just this this awful long. It was again, it was the the most the longest, biggest, most ridiculous fart one could possibly imagine. Um so there you go. There's my my flatulence story that I have now been telling for the last 60 seconds on this week's episode of DDT Pod. Uh, you're welcome, folks. This is why you tune in. Good radio. First and last episode for some folks, no doubt. I, I enjoy the ones that actually lift you off your chair. Like you're hovering <laughs> for that like half millisecond. You're actually airborne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I was horizontal at the time, but I thought I had ripped a hole through my underoos, to say the least. It was that powerful of an expulsion of air from well, my body. We will we will make sure to avoid that place. Although after we went and dock ate all the gluten, <laughs> all of it, we went to Trader Joe's, which was yes. my and my wife's first visit to Trader Joe's. Did you hate uh, everything that we told you to buy? No. <laughs> oh. We actually just had, and I don't know if you told us to buy, we got the garlic naan. Delicious. Oh, good. I, I've never had that, actually, but naan is one of my uh, one of my favorite things, honestly. Mm-hmm. I still and, and eat it from time to time. I was tweeting with Mrs. Manson about this. We got the chocolate drops on your recommendation. Far better, in your words, than M&M's. And the first time I ate it, I didn't care for it at all. The chocolate was, I could tell it was rich chocolate, but it had almost like an artificial taste to it. I thought I didn't care for them. I tried them again after, and I actually let them kind of melt a bit in my mouth. And I must say far better when you do that. I I don't know. I I just, I feel like the, it's, it's a richness to the chocolate. I don't feel it's artificial at all. M&Ms to me taste artificial. Um, well, and it's probably I spend so much of my life eating M&Ms that anything else <laughs> by yeah. comparison. Sure. You know, my body is 13% M&M right now. I, <laughs> I really honestly plain M&Ms, regular just milk chocolate M&Ms. I do not like like you could put them in front of me and I probably would have one or two just like an idiot. Oh, there's chocolate in front of me. But I, I, I know I don't like them. They're too yeah. sweet. Uh, I, the chocolate would, quality is I, just not there. I would and I have bought one of the sharing size M&M's. Please. And just the sharing size M&M's are what we used to call a regular sized bag. Those are just the ones you would. Those are the normal sized True. pocket candies you would take to the movie theater as a child. They now call sharing size. True. Um, but yes, the uh, the chocolate covered pretzels were good. So we enjoyed it. I don't know that we would, you know, make a special trip out to town to go mm-hmm. to Trader mm-hmm. Joe's. Yeah. But we're in the area fairly regularly. We'll be back. 
Yeah, I, like I said, we've been going out there more frequently. Um, I, I'd say we do our full grocery shopping there as frequently as we do at the local eatery or Mega Mart or whatever sure. you want to call it. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Um, but mostly because there's a lot of good gluten-free options mm-hmm. uh, at Trader Joe's. Well, and where you are, not to get super local, but you don't have a Mega Mart that's super close by? I've got one, but it's not super close. Yeah, that's it. I literally could walk within 10 minutes to the uh-huh. Mega Mart. So yeah. it's it's a different sort of thing. Um, I got to tell you, though, I, I mentioned it when we were there. Uh, running errands is much more pleasant when I can talk to talk to you. <laughs> I th- I, so. It seemed to me like you were just getting more and more irritated as we were running errands. I, I wasn't sure if it was me constantly uh, no. like commenting to you or if Mrs. Matthews was upsetting you in some way. No, that's just uh, people. Yeah. You are great. Your wife's great. My wife's great. Everyone else in the world <laughs> sucks. I, I will say that store is relatively small, although it's much that particular location is incredibly spacious compared to the one uh, in West Hartford. But even then. Uh, really? I expected. Interesting. I expected their, them to be bigger. They're not. No, they the tend to be pretty small. Huh. Um, yeah. So, but yes, that's sort of, so your, your issues, I think, are compounded by the fact that yeah. that location tends to be rather tight. You can, you can ask my wife. My, my general mood decreases the longer I am in a group of people. Yeah. Which is I why mean, I, I don't go anywhere or do anything. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't go very many places either, <laughs> to be fair. I mean, so. I guess I see more people on a daily basis than you do just by virtue yeah. of being on a campus. But I sent I sent a message to uh, to tall guy for his birthday, which was at the end of last month. And yeah. he sent me one back and he was like, when are we getting together? And I have yet to respond because I feel like I saw my friend for the month. I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to see anybody else. <laughs> I uh, I saw Tall Guy a couple of weeks ago. I forget. After good. we had talked about it on the podcast. And then after I came back to the podcast and said, uh, you know, I never got in touch with him. Then after that, I did. Good. And that was, you know, a still, good time. Do you still have the facial hair? Oh, it's it's horrendous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, GQ's birthday is somewhere. He GQ goes out of his way. Maybe he doesn't do this for you, but he does it for me. He goes out of his way to not tell you the exact date of his yes. birthday. Oh, he yeah. He's very make... embarrassed by it for some reason. But it's sometime in December, and it's yeah. in the teens. So GQ, in case your birthday happens, I want to say it's around the 13th or 14th. Happy birthday, GQ. I don't know if he even listens to this show anymore. I know he claims that he does, but well, I'm not sure that he this, does. Well, we'll see. GQ, if you listen to this show, I expect a text GQ, saying why thank don't you, you love for the birthday anymore. wishes. And we need to schedule the DDT Awards. Speaking should, of which. We should start working on the DDT Awards. Speaking of which, I opened the document. I have it right here. The 2017 actual awards, all three shows. Um, we're we're going to run into a little bit of a problem because you've stopped watching wrestling and I'm kind of content to just watch the pay-per-views now. So, like, the Triple H Ponytail Award, that we can talk about. We don't need necessarily to have watched. But um, Lindsay Dorado presents the cruisiest cruiserweight, the 205 Top 5. I don't think we need a Top 5, but I do think that that award can simply be the Top Cruiserweight. Sure. And here's a little preview. Uh, it's Buddy Murphy. Correct. 
uh, NXT Wrestler of the Year. I think we can we still can... do that one. Okay. Uh, let's see. The best. Well, we could do a lot of these because you've seen some of them. But yeah, I was going through and like, oh, man. Oh, no. I do think it's going to be more difficult. So I'm actually thinking that maybe we should do some uh, non-wrestling topics. I think oh, yeah. people would like that. Like, maybe I'll do my... Uh, I know we already did, like, a top five answering an email, but maybe I'll do, like, my... I'll do, like, a, a Shocktober, best of Shocktober sure. category or something. Well, and, and we tend to try to staff out as much work as possible to other people. So if people have ideas for categories and things we should vote based on the podcast, I don't know that Pav listens anymore, but he's the one with the eidectic I do, memory. I do think that they were talking about the DDT awards in the find your happy chat that you left. Um, not that long ago. I think they were, I don't, I don't think any actual uh, categories were discussed. I think they just in passing were like, man, I sure hope that they have some good stuff or, or something. I, I don't know. Be honest with me. Am I just a horrible person? Is this hope of positivity thing? It's a complete sham. Yeah. I I mean, both things don't have to be. That's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You're not necessarily a horrible person, but But. um, you are increasingly. Yeah. Don't be wrong. You were never particularly social. But of the two of us, I would have said you were the social one. Um, certainly going, I've, I've kind of turned into myself a little bit. You're so a hermit now. Like you don't even like talking to people online anymore. It seems like, (laughs) um, yeah, I, 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 you made me this great thing for question marks, which was going to be my interview show. Uh, I've talked to chip and that's it. I've had conversations with one or two other people. Talk to Glenn. I want to talk to a lot of them, but it's just the the amount again, and maybe it's the seasonal. Maybe I have seasonal whatever, but Effective the amount disorder. of the amount of effort that seems to be required in just trying to schedule something seems like a lot right now. But if you're up at two a.m., that's got to be like when Glenn is also awake, right? Like, yeah, but I can't podcast. I it would be mean of me to try to podcast while my wife was asleep. Our apartment is not that big. Well, that's true. Like, if I'm taking this and literally sitting in my car in the middle of the night, like, shivering, talking into the microphone, maybe that would work. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> so, 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 Glad, you, you wrestled Dynamite Kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed to hear that. He was, was in the ring with the Dynamite Kid. And, uh, and supposedly, I don't remember if he said choked him out or made him tap out in some sort of judo thing. I have no idea. But anyways, we are impressed by you. Dear Glenford of the UK. We are indeed. I totally do agree with that. Uh, speaking of, you know, Dynamite Kid was, I think, yesterday. Um, Larry the Axe Henning today. Not a great week. What was yesterday? Dynamite Kid passed away. That oh, was yeah. how he, I did see that. Yeah. That was how he came up in conversation. And um, today it was Larry the Axe Henning, father of Mr. Perfect, grandfather of one half of the B team, you know, Curtis Axel. This is going to sound terrible and just plain terrible. But I saw that he had Larry the Axe Henning had died. And I said, oh, you mean he's been alive this entire time to watch Curtis Axel's career? That's unfortunate. It doesn't sound totally terrible. I also 
was not fully cognizant of the fact that he was still alive. I kind of assumed that he was no longer with us around the time that, you know, Michael McGillicuddy became Curtis sure. Axe. It was a bit of a surprise to me to learn that he had still been alive. I remember there was a couple of matches. I can't remember where exactly they were, but I remember seeing things where it could honestly, it could have been WCW with Mr. Perfect, but um, with Larry the Axe Henning in the crowd. But again, now the more okay. I think about it, the more I think that was in the 90s with WCW. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's a person that I will say, I don't even know what they look like. I presume they look something like Mr. Perfect, but I've never seen them wrestle. I think that was before they my time anyways, when he was somebody posted a picture. Yeah. And it looked like um it kind of looked like if Liam Stryker had a grandpa. And I'm assuming Liam Stryker does have a grandpa, but he he had a kind of resemblance to Liam Stryker, I thought. Huh. He's a big, like, he was called the Axe. He was a big, he was a big dude in his prime. Like, you know. Are Curtis we talking Axel- like pre-plane crash Ric Flair? No, we're talking like Warbeard Hansen, Otis Dozovich of Heavy Machinery. Oh. You know, style. Okay. Wow. Like, like uh, he, you know, a big guy. And okay. I think he always was. He wasn't like a well-defined guy. You know, Mr. Perfect looked very different than his dad, I thought. Well, yeah, but so. I mean, steroids will do that. True. But yeah, you know. Uh, do you have memories of the Dynamite Kid? Not your... really. Oh, I think okay. the majority of my memories of Dynamite Kid might be he broke Chris Benoit's neck. Is that right? Or am I thinking about someone else? I thought Sabu broke Chris Benoit's neck. Yeah, but. you're right. I think it is. So who did? Hmm. I remember seeing him, you know, in the Coliseum video days, renting things from the video store next to my grandmother, near my grandmother's, um, watching old WrestleManias and being, you know, I tweeted this out. Wrestlers in the 80s looked like Hulk Hogan. They looked like the Ultimate Warrior. They were big. Some of them were super muscular. Other guys were just big kind of bruisers. And Dynamite Kid was this littler guy who, like, floated around the ring. And you couldn't help but take notice of him because what he was doing was so very different than what everyone else was doing. Did Mick Foley have something negative to say about him? One of Mick Foley's first matches when he was Cactus Jack Foley... um, and was a jobber for WWF, was against the British Bulldogs, and one of them, I can't remember who, clotheslined him and dislocated his jaw. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. I could and, and what I what I'm actually quite proud of is I could reach right now, get the book off the <laughs> shelf, and actually look that up. I'm not going to, but I could. No, but you could. But yes, yes. So that, you know, he and that was what was interesting about what Glenn said, because Glenn at G.A. Russellnut, one of our besties, the bestiest of our bestie, perhaps, um, you know, had said he wrestled them and they were both incredibly kind and incredibly caring. And that was not the story Mick Foley told. Mm. So I don't know if it was because Glenn was a fellow Brit or if it was later in the career or earlier in the career. Again, I do, need, I do want to day. sit down with I do want to sit down with Glenn. I want to sit down with a lot of people. I want to sit down with you. 
which is odd because we do this all the time. All I sit down, the time. I want to sit down with GQ if he's allowed to talk. Um, I'm just saying, he's got two kids. He's got a wife. He's got a life. He might not have the time to talk. It's true. Um, what about... What? <laughs> I, I was going to say, what about the list? Because... That's something that we haven't done in a long time, and I was thinking about it just the other day. It could have been last have- night or the night before, where I was like, huh, he hasn't even bothered me about the list in a while. No, which- I figure you'll let me know when you're ready, <laughs> which is why we'll never record another episode. It's likely, yeah. Um, I don't know. I say I seem, feel like I say this every Thursday. My weekend's fairly open, so... Because, you know, I again, I don't know what the DDT awards are going to look like this year. We can do our usual top ten. Um, what if the DDT awards became the list? Became a list marathon. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Although, I don't know. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think we, I think we can keep some of these and then maybe get rid of some of them. And yes, I think so. All right, uh, let's see. What else did I want? What else was I thinking about chatting about? We don't have a baker's dozen emails, but we do have eight. So that's, that's pretty good. I that's mean, that's something. a baker's dozen to someone, not me, but, you know. Okay. I guess it depends. Dozen! I guess it depends on the baker, really. I suppose it really does depend on the baker. Um, uh, are you decorated for the holidays? I know you are uh, dual oh, holidays. Yeah, yeah I've what got... You- uh, got a christmas tree up that's about you know three feet tall on top of an end table to keep it away from little dogs um and so i got that sound bar as part of my black friday sale right yes it is also alexa enabled so this is my Uh. first alexa device that i have brought into the house um but previously i had bought a smart uh outlet adapter um, just because honestly not so much for the Wi-Fi part of it but because it just had an on off switch on the side of it and it was a price I was willing to pay for an on off switch because I had wanted to put a lamp in this back corner of the room and there was no like you know actual light switch hooked up to it and if I could just anyways the point is I have this Wi-Fi enabled outlet can I pause for a second can you explain, not to me, of no, course, not to you. but to other people who might not know what the hell you're talking about, can you explain to them what a smart outlet is? Uh, so this is simply a device that you plug into a power outlet in your home. Instead of plugging a lamp directly into the outlet, you would plug this in first, and there's another plug on it, a pass-through, that you can then plug the lamp into this adapter. Um It's smart, so it connects to your Wi-Fi network, and then it goes to an app, say, on your phone, so you can control that outlet from the app. So, you know, from the phone, I could turn my lights on or off just by clicking a switch on the phone. Interesting. Yes, and the most interesting thing... That would be what someone would say who doesn't know what you're talking about. They would say, oh, interesting. Correct. I, of course, this is old news to me. Under... This is all old news for you. Um, But what I did was I took that outlet adapter. I went into the app, and you're able to rename it. So I renamed it to Christmas Lights. The name of the adapter is Christmas Lights. And I plugged that in over where the Christmas tree is. I plugged the Christmas tree into it, 
So now, in my living room, since that soundbar is Alexa-enabled, I can say, Alexa, turn on the Christmas lights, and boom, my Christmas tree lights up in the front foyer, with me not having to move a finger. We are living in the future. I'm telling you. Is it? It's pretty great. I can be going up the stairs and just be like, Alexa, turn off the Christmas lights, and boom, the Christmas lights are off. So what I think will be great is when we're sitting in your living room recording the DDT Awards and we talk about the GM of the Raw Women's Division, Miss Alexa Bliss. Yeah, that's going to be problematic. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can turn off the microphone on the soundbar, so I'll look into doing that for when we record. And just out of curiosity, how much would someone would want to ask, how much would a smart outlet cost? Um, I think I got that one for about 15 or $20. Yeah. That's a very good price. Yeah. I, I again, it, I didn't even really want it because it was smart. I just wanted the on off because I was literally physically pressing that on off button for this other lamp when I, for a while when I first got it, but we ended up moving the lamp out of where that was. And then we weren't using that smart outlet at all. But once I realized that the soundbar could do these things, I said, hmm, and I got to work. I hope there was a montage involved. Oh, absolutely. All right. Um, but yeah, we, we've decorated. I'm, I'm feeling more in the Christmas spirit than I usually am. Our, we have a little mini tree. It's currently on our little dining room table, which is only a cafe table sized. Um but it's quite nice. We put the fireplace, you know, thing on the Netflix, and you've got that crackling and the your Yuletide lights are on. Log. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. So, I'm I'm feeling relatively festive. Uh, over the Halloween break, I don't know if I mentioned this. It's similar to your Yuletide log that you have burning on the fireplace now. Uh, Hulu had a ghoul log. That you could turn on that was oh, just clever. a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, it was pretty cool. Very clever. Yeah. Um, are you? Have you been celebrating Hanukkah every night? I, we, we tend to talk about this. Mrs. Mrs. Manson does celebrate Hanukkah, and so I'm assuming you do too. But. Yeah, we celebrate. Um, we didn't light the candles last night, uh, but we did the first two nights. It's too many nights is what I, I, I'm saying. I, I seem to recall her saying that on last year's thing. It's like it's nice for the first couple of nights, but it's just – a lot of work. I, I could see if you have kids and like they're real excited about it every night. They're going to get a big present. But eight nights is too much to actually get good presents every night. You can eat latkes, right? Uh, I did eat latkes, um, but they do have some flour in them for binding purposes. Yeah, but you could make it without. You could just literally grate some potato and onion and cook it it would fall apart a little bit but it yeah would be. But, but we do we we do great potato and all that together but yeah we, we did make them with a little bit of flour we probably could have done cornstarch or something but that would have mm. made it grittier um so we did use the flour and again for me it's not usually problematic to have a little bit of gluten but sure. uh two pizza grinders and, two and a grinders. slice of pizza uh the largest not, not. slice of pizza that your wife had ever seen, I believe she said. It was but, pretty big. Yeah. She literally ate, ate the tip of it. Like, she ate, like, I don't know, two inches of pizza. Well, to be fair, we had eaten lunch before we left because it was you a movie. You said she'd that's only sp- eaten edamame. That's like an appetizer. For us, yes. 
Yeah, I not guess. for her. All right, fair enough. Plus, pretty sure she ate the entire bag of edamame. Nice. Like, got the steamable bag. All right. Uh, let's see. Wrestling TLC is coming up in a week and a half. Daniel Bryan is setting the world on fire, being an angry hippie. Um, Who's an angry hippie? Daniel Bryan. He's yelling at people for not being environmentally conscious. I don't care. It's been a couple of weeks. Have you been tempted at all to return to the world of wrestling? No, not really. Okay, that's I, fine. I've been tempted. The, the The most I was tempted was by NXT Takeover. Um, that I was really sad to have not watched. And then it took me a few days to figure out that they are in fact on Hulu. Oh, but the thing is on Hulu, they just list it as the next episode. So like 479 might be the week before on Wednesday and then takeover is just listed as 480. So unless you look to see that, oh, this was on this originally aired on a Saturday, there is like nothing that lets you know that that is actually the takeover. So it actually took me like a week or so to realize that. And by the time I realized it, I no longer cared. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, whether it's a list marathon or the DDT awards, we should do some sort of epic recording, as is tradition. Yeah, I hope Nerd DC finds his way back, because last year I think I had to make like three songs all by myself, none of which you seem to like or appreciate. I'd like to point out. That I didn't make you. You always do Christmas songs on your own because then you want it to be a giant flipping sing along. Yes. Do, yeah. Yeah. But that's you know not what? something I'm done. you do. I'm done. In- I'm not. No more Christmas spirit. No more holiday spirit from Doc Manson. If you want holiday spirit, you bring it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm bringing the emails right now. Mm-hmm. DDT. No, wait. What is it? Podcast at DDTWrestling.com. <laughs> Uh, And the first one comes from our good buddy, Jeremy. Would you rather fight five Lord Littlebrook-sized El Gigantes or one El Gigante-sized Lord Littlebrook? I think I know the answer. I just giggle at the thought of five oxymoronic Little Gigantes. This is an interesting question, regardless of whether it's duck-sized horses or horse-sized ducks. Where do you stand on this? Is it? Quality or quantity for you? I think it actually very much depends on if we're talking about horses or ducks. And frankly, I don't know who Lord Littlebrook or Eligante are. Uh, Okay, Lord Littlebrook uh, was a very well-known little person wrestler from the 70s and 80s. I believe he's one of the ones King Kong Bundy teams with at WrestleMania 3 when it's King Kong Bundy and two little people wrestlers versus Hillbilly Jim and two little people wrestlers. Um, El Gigante is what the giant Gonzalez was called when he was in WCW. Oh, okay. So, but wait, so if I'm fighting one El Gigante sized Lord Littlebrook, I'm essentially just fighting El Gigante, right? Because it's just a person who is the size of a large person. No, clearly Anyone is better than El Gigante. So, <laughs> so I would I would imagine it would be a tougher fight because it is Lord Littlebrook. Um, 
You probably would have more musculature. You might not have to paint it on. Yeah, you don't have to wear the bodysuit. Um, yeah, yeah. I think five Lord Littlebrook-sized El Gigantes, well, I don't know, because that's still, no, I mean, that's still a little person. See, this is why I said it matters, because I do feel like five little people could do a lot of damage, whereas I don't really feel like five, you know, duck-sized horses could do as much damage. You know what I mean? Um... So I don't know here. I, I think I'd rather try to fight one person than five little people. I agree. I think I would. Now, granted, Lord Littlebrook, I'm looking at pictures. Like, I don't know that I'd want to fight him just, you know, in general. He's He's got a Jack Gallagher look about him. Mm. So, All right, but I would fight him if I got a knife. Yeah, I, I think I would always rather fight one person than five people, but that's just me. So let, let me ask you a question. Sure. You're in a fight to the death. Okay. And, you know, you've got your opponent sitting across from you. They look, they look you know, reasonably like yourself, let's say. Equal sort of physical... Um, you know, attributes, let's say, physical qualities. Sure. Before the fight begins, you are offered a choice because this is a fight with a weapon. You can have either a baseball bat or a knife, and whichever yeah. one you don't choose, your opponent gets. What do you choose? Instinct says a baseball bat because I don't trust myself with sharp objects. <laughs> um, plus, with a baseball bat, I'm assuming the knife's like, is we're talking switchblade? Are we talking, you know, crocodile Dundee size knife? Like, what? what, what, what <laughs> I think we? we're talking a decent sized hunting knife, yes. Not like, you, you know, 10 get- inches, but let's say like a good six to eight inches. That's really all you need. Um, we, <laughs> I still would have more range with a baseball bat. 100%. Range the game all day long with that baseball bat. But I'm going to say baseball bat, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah. But I'm not a particularly violent person anyway. This is a fight to the death, man. You're going to get in there, and only one of you are walking out. Regardless of the weapon, I'm pretty sure I know how it's going to go. Well, please, I'm going to take please. the knife 100 percent. Let me tell you, because I feel like all you got to do with the knife is you just got to get in there and then it's over. You know what I mean? You just get in there and it's uh, 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 and it's over. Um, and the baseball bat, I feel like, again, yeah, you've got the reach, but I feel like, you know, that's that's a precision weapon. If you you got to aim for the person's head, if you want it, because you got to take them out in one swing. If you don't take them out in one swing with that baseball bat, that knife is going to mess you up as soon as no, they close see, the but distance. I wouldn't aim for the head. I would aim for the hand with the knife. I would aim like, I'm going to no. strike you in the arm to try to get you to lose the knife. See, but I don't think that would actually work. That's too easily dodged. And and here's the thing. If you've got that baseball bat, if you're trying to take out that knife, you're trying to do whatever that you're trying to do it in one hit, you're going to be putting all of your body weight into that swing. And if that person dodges, you're just going to be off kilter, off balance. And it's over. Like as soon as they close that distance, you're done. 
Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like, again, you could aim for the head, but that's, again, I think pretty easy to dodge. If you want to be sure to hit, you got to hit him center mass. Maybe that's going to hit him in the shoulder or the arm. I feel like I could take one good baseball hit to my arm. If I could protect myself with one side of my body and hold a knife in the other hand, I feel like I could take that one hit and get in there and do the damage that needs to be done. Somewhere in this apartment is a baseball bat. I am bringing it over because I would like to test this theory that you can take one swing from because I'm see, not the thing saying to, like it would be comfortable, but like, you know, it's a life and death situation. Well, yes, I'm going to be doing everything I can to protect my knife arm, my knifing hand, and I'm going to get in there. They're going to they're going to wallop me, make, break my arm, but it doesn't matter because now I mean, even if I could just get my arm up over that bat and come down on top of it, I might break some ribs. But now that bat is completely immobilized. And all I got to do again, I just got to start stabbing center mass. You got so into this. Like, the fervor in your voice is... What would be your weapon of... Now, let's take guns out of the equation. Because, yes, clearly you would want, like, a bazooka or something like that. <laughs> okay. But what in, in a melee brawl, what would, you act, what would your ideal weapon be? Would it be a knife? I mean... I think so. I mean, I'm not trained with anything. Like, you're saying, because, like... I don't. I'm not like trained with a bow or staff. I'm not gonna take. Uh, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe uh, like a sword. I don't think I. I'm again. Now you're talking you about balance Michael, and poise and grace. You want to go Michelangelo and nunchuck it? I, exactly. Like I'm not trained for that. Like I feel like a knife at least is a commonplace enough object that even though I'm not trained with it, it's still just dangerous enough that as long as you can close the distance. I think you could get it done. That's all I'm saying. I always imagine some sort of like Neolithic club that like that's always what I imagine. Like a caveman going club? For. Yes. Yes. So like, yeah, you're bigger... literally going to the baseball bat. Like I'm yes, but I'm going to like a much bigger like I'd rather have a cricket bat. I'd rather Shaun of the Dead this and have a cricket bat. What about than... a sledgehammer? I guess I don't know. I want something that is like just big all like Yeah. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, like if we're talking like zombie apocalypse style, I'm not going for the knife. I mean, the knife is practically useless. Well, that's, that's a totally different thing. Yeah, I mean, completely. Although they used to have in like World War 1 trench style warfare, they used to have these brass knuckles um essentially that basically just had a big railroad spike coming off of them and um I think that if, like, you were all in, like, leather gear and you had those style uh, knucks with those railroad spikes coming off, I think that actually would be fairly ideal in a zombie apocalypse because they're smooth and you can just puncture the skull and come back out. No, like, it's not like, like, you know, you always see in in zombie movies like baseball bats. I, like, put nails through them and things like, like that's a totally terrible weapon. That's going to get lodged in the skull and get stuck there. You've got one zombie. You're going to get down with that thing. And then you're going to get swarmed and overwhelmed. But these things are attached to your hands. They're nice and quick. They're not getting stuck on anything. Like, I feel like... There is something to be said for closer combat weapons if done well and with thought. I'm not saying I would survive very well with these, but I think to the right person. 
I've always liked in the Chronicles of Riddick, Vin Diesel has like the knives, but they come out like here and they curve down. Okay. So they're almost like forearm kind of things. They have a sure. name. I've seen them in like those shows where they pit various weapons against each other. And I always thought that would work because, again, that seems like it's very unlikely that I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> so, well, never underestimate your abilities. Well, that's where you were like, you know, if I th- if I swing the bat, I'm going to be off balance. I'm like, I'm going to be off balance uh, from now until the end of time. So, all right, uh, Brandon Banks, I believe, is the next one. Uh, DC and Doc, both of you are pretty reserved and careful not to let out such information like the town you live in. Does this have anything to do with being employed by schools, or it is just a better safe than sorry characteristic that you each possess? Good luck with once again reaching a baker's dozen worth of emails. I miss the list, and keep up the work. Um, There's a part of it that's school-based. I'm certainly not going to reveal the town I work in. Um... But, uh, you know, I also, it's just, I, I don't, I don't need to be a celebrity. And again, I don't think anyone's going to come looking for me, but I, I like that this is a, you know, this is a persona that exists in the podcast and in, in the Twitterverse when I'm on Twitter these days and that's it. Mm. I mean, for me, it, it is a better safe than sorry thing, but it, it's totally related to my employment. Yes. Um, they tell you when you are, you know, employed by a, a, a public institution that you are, whether you like it or not, representing, representing the public institution. institution at all times. Yep. So you like they tell you like on your first day, like as part of training, like, you know, if you're walking down the street at a sporting event and they ask you on camera, what do you think about the big game? Like, that's a literal example they use where you have to be careful about the things that you say because technically you are. And I think it's total yep. bullcrap. Like, I could see that, honestly, for like administrators, uppity, upper mucky mucks who are supposed to be like, you know, the face of the institution. For that, I get it. But honestly, for the fact there, for, I mean, let's just be honest. For us peons, I mean, you know, like at this institution, we're talking there's 14,000 of us for each of us to be on the hook for that sort of thing. Frankly, I think is a little ridiculous. Um, But anyways, obfuscating your identity in some way, not actually making direct reference to the position or the institution and not actually, you know, deliberately sort of giving out those details does give you a certain amount of legal protection because you're Mm -hmm. not trying to use your actual identity, which is associated with this institution. So in some ways it is, um, it's a smarter choice for those reasons. If you were working in a lab that wasn't associated with a public institution, if you were working for a lab for some private, if it was private. I mean, again, company. that would, at that point, then it depends on what the private, um, company opinions are. Cause some of those places, again, they do have pretty strict, sort of rules for people uh sure. presenting themselves to the public. So it would depend. It would always it would always depend. But a hundred percent if I could just if I was just, you know, self employed, if I was just, you know, making my way 
writing novels or something. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Sure. I'd be out there all 100%. I don't care. Okay. All right. Next I need email to be com- a C-level celebrity, damn it. Next email comes from Kevin Johnson. Might not make a Baker's Donson. Uh-huh. <laughs> Evening, chaps. We are up to nearly 95% of non-wrestling chat podcast, which is a huge achievement from where we came from all those years ago. This suits me no end as my wrestling viewing is based on Twitter gifts. Me too. We will soon be able to distance ourselves completely from NAI as a protest for not allowing Doc into the Hall of Fame. Best, Kev, sent from my Chlamydia STD Android. You gotta get that checked, Kev. I know, I mean, that's a treatable disease these days. Like, just go to the clinic, get some meds, you'll be much more be comfortable. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, you know... We're we're not really a wrestling podcast anymore. I I don't know when we could say we stopped. It was probably right soon after we started because we we don't tend to stick to a format sheet. We tend to just let the conversation wander In where fairness, it wanders. We did focus more on wrestling. I I honestly we stopped at one fifty. You know what I mean? We stopped when we stopped predicting and producting. Um, That's true. I would say. Although I got to tell you, TLC on paper looks great. That's why I'm excited. I'm like, you know what? I, whatever stories are happening, Raw right now apparently is terrible. SmackDown has some very good things. Um, but Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose, Oscar versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch, uh, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. You know, these match, even Natalia versus Ruby Riot in a tables match. I'm like, I'll watch it. Sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Glenn wants to know NXT UK, good or bad? Hi, guys. There seems to be a lot of debate as to whether, with WWE putting restrictions on NXT UK talent as to which promotions they can wrestle on, is putting other promotions in jeopardy. I personally think that we have plenty of good young talent in the UK to cope and raise their game, knowing that between WWE and WOS Wrestling, there are opportunities to get on in the business. And if promotions can't get people through the door, they wouldn't even if they had Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate on their show. I would be interested in your opinions on this. Sorry, this is a bit longer than my normal emails. Thanks as always, Glenn. I like that he's apologizing for like a five-line email as being long. Yep. You're, you you are forgiven. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you're up to date on this, but the talent who is signed with the NXT UK, it's not a full-time gig right now as far as I can tell, um, but they're pretty much being told you can't work for – I think it's certain other promotions, but it might just be any other promotion right now, um, you know, because it is a fairly exclusive contract that they signed. And Yeah, I, it's a weird situation because, I mean, obviously, OK, in the United States for WWE proper, of course, it's an exclusive contract. Of course, you're not going to be showing up for Ring of Honor or, or Impact Wrestling or Lucha Underground while you're under contract with the WWE. I think the thing that makes it weird for the UK is just... Uh, the geolocation aspect of it, how it is a relatively small uh, area and it is a relatively small population in comparison, right? Is that is that really what the, the, the basis of the issue is? Because, I mean, it makes perfect sense here, so I don't really know why 
you would question it there. Well, and again, I think the issue is right now, as far as I can tell, um, NXT UK is performing maybe like five or six nights a month. How many nights are NXT performing a month? They're performing probably three or four. There's three or four NXT shows a week. Are there? Like live events. They do a Florida circuit, and then they're starting to do other tours. So it's, it's a I couple. I know that. So, and I think that's where we're going with NXT UK is they're eventually going to just do tours of the UK. They'll probably hit yeah. Europe at some point. I mean, point. that's the other thing with the NXT UK, though. I mean, it's early days, right? If they want to set up those smaller tours and things. Like, I mean, okay, so you're telling me NXT is doing that stuff now, but I have to imagine it wasn't that way going back a couple years ago. No, but well, but then again, you know, it, NXT came out of, like, Florida Championship Wrestling. Like, NXT was birthed from another promotion that probably did shows. I think NXT this UK NXT- just, it needs time to get, you know, the feet under itself. Yeah, and again, I'm not sure, I'm not following it super closely so i can't tell you like what the restrictions are and things but part of it makes sense like these these other shows are you know considered in some form or fashion competition i don't want pete dunn going out on somebody else's dime and tearing his acl and now he can't wrestle for me because he was out there performing for somebody else so, yeah, I get it. It is unfortunate because I think Glenn is right. You know, you're going to put some promotions out of business, but that's what happens when a giant conglomerate comes in and starts taking over what was a cottage industry. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just the way it works. Yeah. And and again, I do think NXT UK didn't sign everybody. There's, pl- there's still plenty of talents and there'll be opportunities. And, you know, you might lose a couple of promotions, but I think Glenn made the point. If this promotion wasn't going to sell a lot of tickets, I don't know that having Mustache Mountain at the top of the card was going to make it that much better. All right. We've got an email from Forrest. Uh, I think we have to read the second one because the first one didn't get the whole thing. So let's just get down here. Um, Subject line missed a week. Would you like me to read this one as it's multi-paragraphs? DC and Doc. Wrestling has been okay when I've had time to watch. Becky is killing it. Brian has been a great change of pace, and the NXTs are always entertaining. Following up on a topic from a few weeks ago, stupid decisions from your youth or 20s. My father always brought up the amount of money I spent on comics. Having worked in the local comic book shop, I had easy access, and my boss at the time gave me most new books at cost. I was able to complete a run of X-Men from 1974 to 2007, by purchasing X-Men 94 in very good condition for $180, which at the time was a steal. My father didn't understand then, but now asks about whether I still have it, the value, and if I still need a second room to house my collection. I think about the joy spent collecting, reading, and caring for my collection. I never thought it was a stupid decision. I found my happy for all those years. Could I have spent the money on other things? Sure. But I was happy for all those years reading and collecting. Which brings me to find you're happy. What you dislike, someone else might love. What you love, someone might not understand. This is okay. There are too many people dealing in absolutes. My way is the right way. No, you just have an opinion, and listening to other people's opinions 
is a good thing. You may agree or disagree, but you may also find a new way to look at something or appreciate it in a different way. The wrestling community right now is way too high and mighty. It's wrestling. It's not life and death. And yeah, it's easy for me to say this. However, I think fans should be passionate and should invoke change by tuning out and stop buying what they are selling. When a storyline or result doesn't go the way I thought, I still watch because I want to see how it plays out. Anywho, I rambled for too long and may have sent an incomplete email earlier. Wow, these late nights are have been brutal. Also, I missed last week's podcast. Best to you and yours, Bosk, sent from my ABCDE phone. I believe that's pronounced Ab-City. Absida. Was that something? Was that in the news? Yeah. Like somebody's. Some idiot had a kid. parent named their kid ABCDE. A flight attendant laughed at this kid's name as they. Well, not attendant, but like the person that, like, at the gate laughed sure. as they were letting them on the plane. And then the mother was outraged on social media for being name shamed or something stupid. And it was like. You named your kid ABCDE. Which will be easy for them to learn how to spell, but. Yeah. Who's that? What's that actor name? Um, Michael Fassbender, maybe? Is that him? Who am I thinking of? Nope, not Michael Fassbender. I am thinking of someone else. Um, Michael. Da, 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 da. Oh, the. Da, 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 da. Mike Myers. Nope. Mike Shannon. Hold on. I know what show he's on. Let me just look it up real quick. Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. Um, he's an actor. He's been on, you know, lots of things. You'd know his face if you saw him. But um, he was on social media just recently. He had posted a video complaining about Instagram because Instagram took down one of his posts in which uh, he, it, it was uh, uh, a video. Uh, I think it was a video of, I can't remember exactly what it was. Like it was a video of an ugly cat. You know what I mean? And he was just sort of, this video of the cat and he was just sort of commenting, making fun of it just a little bit. And Instagram took down his post. And the reason why was because he was in violation of their community rules and standards because he was shaming the cat. And he just posted this rant about it. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was just like, I, 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 is this where we're at? Because don't get, get me wrong. Yes. You can shame an animal. If it poops on the rug and you get in its face and you're yelling at it, it will feel shame. An animal can feel shame. But I'm not sure that posting a video onto Instagram using words in the English language is something that will cause a cat to feel shame. I'm not sure that is possible. The world is crazy, I think is what you're trying to say. Sure is. It the world sure is. is. <sighs> and we in our in in different ways are are trying to enlighten and instruct the future generations when we're living in a world like this. But, you know. But I think, you know, I think Forrest uh, Bosk here brought up some good points about collecting comics. It's not, 
necessarily a, a waste. I think maybe I said something about that the previous week, but yeah, it's all about disposable income, right? And if you're enjoying what you're doing, and that's that's exactly it. And you know what? At some point, he might. I don't know the state of the comic industry. There will probably be somebody out there, if he's ever willing to sell, who would love an X-Men run from 74 to 2007. So. There you go. All right. Find your happy. Danielle emailing on a Thursday. Hello. The semester is wrapping up, which means it'll be close to enjoying a few weeks away from children and commuting to school. The other day, while grocery shopping, I realized that there's a chance I don't have to worry about seeing the students I work with outside of the classroom since I live an hour away. Today's question is from my already curated list of questions. I've still got 30 questions written down, so it'll take a while before these pages are answered. If you could make one adjustment to your favorite superhero and or villain, what would you change? Cheers, Danielle. I think first it's funny her talking about not having to worry about seeing students outside the classroom because that is literally like all you ever talk about when you go out into a public space. Yes. You you literally were talking about it on Saturday. Yes. Because the you know and it's still a half an hour distance from where we are but inevitably if I go I, I ran into a teacher I work with at Trader Joe's. True. Not a student, but I, yeah. No. I think part of it is I'm – I don't know what it is about me, but I am constantly scanning and, like, looking at people to see do I recognize them? Is anyone doing anything weird? What's that <laughs> over there? Um, and so I tend to find people. I probably run into people, you know – people probably run into each other more often. You just never pay attention to it. But I'm, like, constantly like, who's that? Who's over there? What's going on? So as soon as the art teacher – walked into the building, I knew she was there. I think I'm practically face blind. And unless I know somebody really well, I do not notice Mm. or recognize them out of context, like, at all. Yeah. And when you teach little kids, they, they fall into either two camps. They are terrified and don't talk to you at all. I like those ones. Or they run up to you like it's amazing that you're not still in your classroom. Like, why aren't you there? Why aren't you laying on the back bookshelf sleeping? Like, why are, why are you out of the, out in the world? You are young enough, or I'm sorry, those students are young enough that yes, they don't understand that you exist outside of the classroom. I imagine. Yeah. Yes. So they'll seem, you know, I ran into people at uh, the farmer's market that we tend to go to once or twice a year. And, they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, probably the same thing you are. Eating grilled cheese from a food truck. Yeah, you are. All right. Are uh, Danielle's cheeses. question. Um, if we could change something about our favorite superhero or villain. I like the X-Men. Um, that is not a hero or villain. Those are multiple heroes. Okay. I like Colossus, and I wish he would put more clothes up. Because his outfit is kind of weird. But he's wearing metal all over his body. 
okay, then maybe he should wear either more clothes or no clothes at all. I mean, okay, here's a question for you. If Colossus were to take off his trunks, would we see a metal-wrapped penis? Yes. Yes. Or would we just see... He's not a Ken doll. Are you sure he's not a Ken doll? Well, no, I'm not sure he's not a Ken I think Ken he doll. might be a Ken doll <clears throat> under there. I think the metal might come out. I know I know. He, at some point he got stuck, but I feel like he, he, at some point in the comics originally he could change back and forth. At some point yes. he got stuck where he could not change back from Metal Man. Um, okay. The comics I've read, he can still change back. Oh, okay. Maybe different iterations of the character. But I was wondering, I just, it would make a certain amount of sense to me if this was just, you know, a protective garb that maybe it doesn't have to be. He has a natural cod piece that yes. comes out. I mean, like, is you, as far as I know, like, you're not seeing nipples, like, on his chest. So why does it have to be completely form fitting? All right, that's fair. Um, I'm going to still say that no, you're going to see something. And out of curiosity, but, is that covering just on the outside of his body? Like, if you were to go into his anus, is it... St- <laughs> Look, I'm just saying... Like you do. For science. Like you do. Like, let's say you were doing a prostate science. exam, and he's in metal form. You know, he's over 50 years old, and he needs to get his prostate checked. Sure. Uh, is it all metal clad there as well? I think so. I think his entire body turns to steel, but now I'm going to look it up. Because, like, okay, so, like, if you were to open him up, that's not that's not to be just be gross about it or, or flippant, but, like, if you were doing surgery on him and, like, you know, here was his spleen, is his spleen going to be pure metal through and through or is it just covered in metal or nothing because it's on the inside? Uh, Colossus is a mutant with the ability to transform his entire body. Into a form of organic steel, Colossus must transform his entire body into this armored state. He cannot transform only a portion of his body. When he transforms, yeah, he gets taller, which doesn't make any sense. But while in his armored form, Colossus requires no food, water, or even oxygen to sustain himself. So, yeah, his entire body is becoming metal. So what would you change about him? Because he sounds pretty cool. Uh. So the traditional garb is this, like, red and yellow kind of tank top, but it's not because, like, you can see some of his abs, and then he's got just, like, wrestling trunks, and I don't know. I I put – I like his – you know, he has other uniforms, but I like Colossus. I, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily change a whole lot about him, Um I would I would that, hope he that, never see, needs to get a prostate exam. <laughs> At least not in that form. Um that's the tricky part about this question, I think. If you can make what's one your... adjustment to your favorite superhero or villain, I, I can't I don't feel like there are any adjustments I want to make to my favorite heroes well, or that's villains. That's kind of it. Right? Because I, I kind of already like them the way they are. Yeah. Um I mean, like, I think the tick is freaking amazing. Uh, I've always liked the tick as, like, you know, the satirical character. Um, I liked him in the comics because he was a little more rough around the edges as opposed to, like, the Saturday morning version, which was a little more sanitized. Um, So 
So I guess maybe that's it. Maybe I would take the mainstream version of the tick and I would make him a little less sanitized for for the children. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, I, some, maybe something like that. Okay. The mask I like a lot as well. Um, not necessarily the Jim Carrey version, although I do like that movie, or I did when I was younger. I haven't seen it probably in 15 years, if not more. Um, but the comic book version of the mask is fantastic. Um, it, but he always tends to be more villainous than he is hero. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would make him a little less chaotic, a little bit more controllable by the person wearing it, maybe. That's fair. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Sadly, the two or three images I could find of Colossus topless, um, he does not have nipples. I'm telling you, man, it's just a codpiece under there. Okay. I'll I'll go with a codpiece less than a Ken doll. All right. All right. All right. Compromise. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Monroe, food for thought. Oh. You always mention Danielle giving you emails that force you to self-reflect and grow, so I thought I would give that a go this week. Uh. This this year I've felt myself toil with a lot of things, and that's in part due to going through many changes. Well, Mitchell, we all go through changes at various points. I've reached points. He went through the changes when he was six. He's had a freaking beard since the third grade. Sad, but true. I think I really almost just passed out there laughing. (laughs) All right. I've reached points. I've reached points where I was afraid to apply what I actually believed, points where I no longer knew what I believed, and points where I honestly didn't care what I believed. And as a result, I've seen my behavior and morality struggle on more than one occasion. What I've been reminded of is that worldview and conviction are crucial for navigating the challenges of life, and you need to hold to those in a peaceful but unwavering manner, even when you face opposition from people you love trust, or respect. I'm not saying you should close yourself off to new ideas, rather that you should avoid compromising just for the sake of appeasing someone to resolve conflict. The introduction for this was longer than I expected when I began typing, but my question to you is this. What toils or struggles have you all been through that may have tempted you to compromise your worldview, and how did you handle it or grow from it? If not that specific, what trials have you been through in general that have caused you to grow? This is deep, Mitchell. This is deep. Deeper Um, than Colossus's prostate exam. That is the title of this episode. You know that, right? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What I've been reminded of is that worldview and conviction are crucial for navigating the challenges of life. There is a part of me that is not sure I agree with that. I, yeah, in some ways I, 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 I agree with your disagreement. Um, you know, I, again, maybe not being a religious person at all, uh, someone who considers myself at the very least agnostic if not more so than that um 
you know, I, I think you can navigate the challenges of life without having deep convictions. There are certain things that you might believe in, you know, ethically or morally, but I don't know that it qualifies as a conviction. I don't know if those are going to be tested by navigating the, the challenges of life. You know, I believe in, uh, honesty to a point, And I believe in kindness and empathy and all of that. And those things help you navigate the challenges of life. Um, mm. I don't know that I need to, I, I, those are the kinds of things that I'm not facing opposition from people. I love trust or respect. True. True. Those are, those are things that I think the vast majority of people are going to, to come together on. Um, you know, the, the hard part is when you are holding a, a worldview and you have convictions that aren't 100% agreed upon. And that's, you know, it, religion is one of them, but there's others too. Politics. Yep. You know, I'm not a very political person. I, I tend to just kind of shut out political debate in things. It's one of the reasons I got rid of Facebook was it just wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot of joy in there for me, so I just found my happy somewhere else. But, um, you know, I think that when you have those things, as Mitchell says, then, yes, it is a nice idea to hold them in a peaceful but unwavering manner. But um, at the same time, I don't know that you need you – know, and again – not having them is, is kind of hard to comment on it. But. And the other thing I, I also is um, not to pick apart exactly what you wrote. Um, I'm not saying you should close yourself off to new ideas, rather that you should avoid compromising just for the sake of appeasing someone to resolve conflict. I don't think that's the definition of compromise. To me, like when you compromise, it's not to appease someone. It, it's to find a middle ground. That's literally what a compromise is. Both of you should be appeased if it's truly a compromise. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Both of you are giving to then get. Right. Um, because, yeah, if you're if you're just doing something for the sake of appeasing someone to resolve a conflict, I'm not sure I see that as a compromise at all. Yeah. And, and I'm not asking Mitchell to lie down on our therapist couch, but I read this email and I presume I know what he's talking about, or at least who he's talking about. I could be totally wrong, but why would he write about, about <laughs> you should avoid compromising just for the sake of appeasing someone to resolve conflict. I, again, I could be totally wrong. He could be talking about family. He could be talking about the people of his, you know, his faith. I know he was struggling with his faith, so it could be a broader subject altogether. Um, I guess what it comes down to for me is, you know, I believe in simple kinds of things like kindness and empathy and honesty and such. And because of that, I don't hold it to any specific worldview. I feel like everyone should do that no matter what you believe. Um, and so I would wonder if you're having such trouble is it worth continuing to have that worldview or can you broaden it and try to, you know, make it a little easier to compromise? But again, I don't know the specifics of the situation. Yeah. But 
Um, what toils or struggles have I been through? What trials have I been through? I, I feel like a lot of things cause you to grow. You know, every relationship, I stop. Every relationship, every rela- huh? Every relationship causes you to grow as a communicator and as a person. I feel like the what? Every relationship I've ever been in has caused me to grow. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so you know, having a ten plus, we're approaching fifteen. I think yes. Oh, we're approaching why don't you brag years. about it? I'm just saying. Like, that causes you to grow because this is a person you're going to spend most every day with and you're going to fall asleep next to every night. And so, you know, there is necessary for compromise. There is a time where you need to appease someone. There is a time where you need to embrace, you know, things in that peaceful but unwavering manner. And it does cause you to grow and become better at doing what you're doing. So, you know, I love my wife dearly and I'm grateful for her every day, but there have been times in our lives where we've had trials and love and kindness and honesty and empathy is what got me through it. So would you like to add something to that? The only thing I want to add to that is I love the fact that we just had a serious conversation about kindness and empathy. And five minutes ago we were talking about Colossus's prostate. That's the beauty of the email. That's the beauty of DDT pod. Well, that too. This next one comes in. Uh, Before we move on to our final email, Mitchell, buddy, uh, you are welcome to continue to email. Again, I don't need you to provide extra details for us. Um, If you ever do want to just, you're welcome to DM me and we can chat about these things if you'd like. I'm not an expert in anything as 150 some odd episodes of this have proven, but you know, continue to uh, to pick our brains if you'd like to. Last email is from Nate. Hello, my dear friends. On this cold winter day, as I sit and ponder wrestling, one big thing sticks out. Becky Lynch. She has been killing it in every facet of professional wrestling and is a joy to watch every week. SmackDown in general is simply hitting a home run every week. Exciting feuds, fun matches. That leads me to my first question. Why do you think SmackDown feels so fresh and better than Raw? No, it being three hours isn't an answer. Yes, it is. The other day, I watched a very interesting film, Ex Machina. Random, but my next question is, what movie would you recommend everyone see that you enjoyed most in the 2010s? Sincerely, Nate. Um, I do think the fact that SmackDown is two hours while Raw is three hours is an answer. I think it's a that's, pretty important answer. That's a whole, you know, that's an hour of having to find other talents to use. And I like Bo Dallas. I love Bo Dallas. But at the same time, I get that he's not everyone's cup of tea. So the fact that we're devoting time to him or we're devoting time to Drake Maverick peeing on things <laughs> Is because there's three. Are you, have you caught up with that whole thing? Only a little. He, I watched a gift you know, of him he, urinating on himself at one point. Yeah. And, and so that has led to him now. The authors of Pain are feuding with Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. And so he stole 
Bobby Roode's glorious robe and peed on it. Is this on Raw or SmackDown? That's Raw. Mm. But that's it. That that kind of thing's not going to happen on SmackDown. They don't have the time Here's for Here's the it. other thing. Um, I heard that, you know, Raw had its lowest rating in history recently. And I don't know if it was that week of the show or the week before, but then all these reports came out that Vince McMahon personally rewrote the entire script for Raw that day. Um, and I think that is a big answer. Vince McMahon I think that's was a one-time genius booker for professional wrestling who may no longer have quite the golden touch. I also think, and maybe this is conspiracy theorists, but I was talking to Bill Neville about it just today. Um, they want people's eyes on SmackDown. SmackDown's the one moving to Fox with this $200 million deal. SmackDown might actually start being the A show for a while with more of the focus on it. And if Raw's not as good by compromise, so much the better because that means more people are going to care about SmackDown. I don't see Again, why don't think- the WWE would necessarily do that, though, because NBC slash USA Network are continuing to pay them a, 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 you know, a proportional amount of money that is equal to what they are earning from SmackDown. So I suppose that's true. You know, again, I don't know the thing. Some people are saying that they believe Triple H is now in charge of SmackDown, and that's why it's so fresh. And Isn't it funny that everybody... Always, whenever anything is, and actually, this is the problem. This is the real problem, I think, with wrestling today. Is you know, you, you see everybody talking about how people. I don't know if I don't know. Okay, let me start over. I think the real problem with wrestling today is that nobody can actually generate heat anymore. The heels cannot generate heat. None of them can, because every single time something goes wrong. Every single time something is bad, instead of it being attributed to that talent, instead of it being, even if they're doing a great job, it becomes, oh, it's just go away heat. You know what I mean? That's because we don't associate the heat from the actions of the actor with the character anymore. We always default to this is bad and it's Vince's fault. So all of the heat goes to Vince. And none of the heels are actually able to hold on to any of the heat that they should be generating. Every single creative decision, when we don't like it, now is Vince's fault. So Vince now is this giant pool of, he's just sucking in all of the heat out of all of his performers because anything that we don't like, we attribute to him when we should be attributing them to the characters and it creates this dynamic where you can't get invested in anything because the heels aren't heels. I agree with you. It's it's I had this conversation in the morning a couple days ago and some people happened to join in. Um, The negativity on social media is so pervasive that it's. It's hard, again, like you said, it's hard for people to get heat. Baron Corbin, in my opinion, is doing a fantastic job being the lead bad guy on that show. Sure. Like he is essentially the authority figure because Stephanie's not there every week. Stephanie's rarely there. So Baron Corbin is the heel and he's doing it and you hate it and you're like, this stinks. It's terrible. 
But that's in 2018 what being a good heel means is you cause them to complain about it because when but you're see, the trying problem to is, be people say this stinks and is terrible. And yes, plenty of people hate Baron Corbin. But what they say is they don't say I hate Baron Corbin. They say Baron Corbin is boring and I hate Vince McMahon for putting him in yes. front of us every week. That's the problem. Yes. Well, and when you try to be an actual heel, you're Becky Lynch and all of a sudden you're the most popular right. person on the roster. As soon as she turned heel. So that's it. But she so turned heel, when you turn heel, mind you, again, by basically saying the company does not give me the opportunities that I deserve. Yes. Well, and again, you know, they had this discussion so on the AI pod yesterday. Because she's, again, juxtapositioned rather against Vince McMahon, who actually is, again, the only heel in existence in this company. I know he's... 70 something and he's got the xfl to worry about and he's doing all of this stuff but if mr mcmahon showed up just every so often just to be that kind of heat magnet sort of thing if he walked out and just shook baron corbin's hand and like raised his hand in the you know if i could change one thing about modern wwe i think it literally would be kind of the opposite of what you're saying i would eliminate any person who actually has creative or authoritative control of that company, none of them would ever appear on television again. I would never show Vince McMahon again. I would never show Stephanie McMahon again. I would never show Triple H again. That entire, that entire anti-authority thing worked incredibly well for them in the Attitude Era. But now, with social media... It, it just it just detracts from the product, and it adds this, this element of realism that prevents anybody from buying into any of the storylines. Maybe that's one of the reasons SmackDown is so good. Shane's not really there as much. You mean the greatest wrestler in the world, Shane McMahon? Sure. Paige is there as an authority figure, but she's she's essentially Jack Tunney. She's Correct. A character you can't playing. actually attribute anything bad that happens to her. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Nate, that might be one of the answers besides the length, which is totally an answer. Um, as for his second question, uh, if I had to pick a movie from the 2010s that I would really recommend people so see. So that's this uh, decade. Yeah. I'm going to go with Civil War. What? Because that was the closest thing. No, that was the closest thing I felt to an actual comic book. Like that was a movie that was was literally a comic book come to life. A lot of these don't happen that way. They fall into kind of genre films or their origin stories. But that movie was in many ways kind of a comic book come to life. And I really liked that. Hmm. I just felt like a lot of that movie – It was a lot. Actually, that movie to me suffered from a lot of the same problems as did Batman versus Superman. I couldn't believe that Tony Stark would be so blinded by his emotions that he would, you know, just go after Bucky the way that he did. He's a smart guy. He's logical. I never, I didn't believe that his emotions would overtake that part of his brain in the same way. To be fair, to be fair. I stopped watching that movie, and again, this is probably shoots holes in my idea. I stopped watching the movie after the airport fight. Captain America flies off. 
I think like, the right. best movie of the 2010s that everybody should see is a film that I didn't even watch all of. That is a great I did answer. watch all of it. I did watch all of it, but up until the airport fight, and then I watched the rest once, and I didn't like that part. So, although the part where he's Tony Stank, that was pretty funny. At the end. What about you? What movie are you picking? I'm trying to look through some now, and I'm not really sure. See, I wasn't going to take that time. I'm not going to take that kind of time to actually do research. I'm going to go off the cuff. We were talking superheroes. I'm trying to really think if there was anything that really super impressed me from the last decade of film. I'm sure there is something, but I hate for this to be the answer. Jeez. Well, you're giving a answer or an answer, and I would go for you. I would say it follows. Yeah, I was actually probably going to say that. Actually, yeah. (laughs) I hear that movie. I hear that name on many podcasts. I've seen that name on Twitter a lot. It seems to be the horror movie that kind of just flipped the script on a lot of things. It's really smart in a whole lot of ways. Um, So, yeah, It It Follows is definitely... I was going to say that, or possibly the Babadook, but I think it follows. Probably we get the nod. Yeah, I would have to actually think about what movies I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, that's years. my problem is I'd have to actually really think about this to give you the real answer. A, better answer. a lot of people could even say, if Winter Soldier came out in the last 10 years, that movie's probably better start to finish than Civil War. Yeah, probably. Obviously, because I don't watch the last third of it, <laughs> but... I'm just going to look through the um, 28 right. best movies of the 2010s by the Cinemaholic. Let's see if we agree with any of this. Number 28. Where's your list? Well, let me skip to the top 10. Why, why are they doing 28? I don't know. Let me see if I can jump okay. to like the top 10 or something. That's fine. We got time. Number 10. Selvar Agavin. Never seen it. Number 9. Priya Darshan. Are you on Bollywood? Best South Indian Directors. I must have clicked into a different. <laughs> yeah. I was I was trying to scroll down and somehow this this yeah. got me to a different. It just keeps like auto. Oh my god, what is wrong with you? Your website is terrible. Hold on. 10 best movies of 2010s. Bear with us, No, people. okay, I'm here now. I just got to get down to number 10. Uh, I'm seeing some good ones up in the 20s. So this is... Number these 10. Are, these are the one- This is according to the cinemaholic.com. Sure. Number 10, A Separation. Never heard Didn't of it. Didn't ever hear of it, yeah. Number 9, Gravity. Didn't see Didn't it. Didn't see it either. It looked pretty dumb. Number 9, Inception. That's on this. I just typed in 10 best movies of 2010s and a bunch of pictures showed up. Um, Inception was good. I saw it. I don't I didn't love it. I didn't see it. Number eight, Manchester by the Sea. Didn't never heard of it. Number seven, La La Land. Didn't see it. Mrs. Matthews saw it. Didn't like it. Number six, Zero Dark Thirty. Didn't see it. Number five, Birdman. Want to see Want it. To see it. Haven't, seen Haven't seen it. Number four, Upstream Color. No idea what that Number is. Number three, Boyhood. Never seen Number it. Number two, Shame. Never seen Number it. Number one, Don't know what it is. The Tree of Life. 
maybe you don't ask us <laughs> for movie recommendations. The, this says Inception, Toy Story 3, The Social Network, Black Swan, Boyhood, 12 Years a Slave, Mad Max Fury that Road. That I agree with. Mad Max Fury Road is a hell of an achievement pick. from the last uh, 10 years of cinema. Yeah. Django Unchained, nah. in, Interstellar. And the original Avengers, which I suppose may have come out in the last 10 years. I didn't see Interstellar, but I think that would be up my alley. All right. Well, what is your piece of positivity for the week there? My piece of positivity for this week is so good that I'm... Do you want me to go go first? Because... No, okay, I got it. Last night, I watched on Shudder, Shudder being the uh, online movie streaming service for horror movies owned by AMC. Sure. I watched Mandy, which is a recent horror film starring Nick Cage. Um, It is this sort of trippy, uh, I would say, uh, uh, Italian-influenced Horror film, uh, you know, very beautifully shot, lots of use of of colored lighting, heavy use of a of a a strange sort of heavy metal score, very light on dialogue. Um, it's basically the, a film about Nick Cage. It, it married to this woman named Mandy. They live kind of out in the woods. This this preacher sort of guy with this little cult passes by his wife walking on the side of the road, decides that he must have her as part of his little commune. He summons, his followers summon these biker demons that attack them in their home at night, steal her away, leave him tied up in barbed wire. And that's like the first hour and 20 minutes of the film to get through that. And then the last hour of this film, it's like a two-hour film. Um, so maybe it's the last 50 minutes of the film. I don't know. It's just this big, long, rage-infueled murder spree by a drugged-out, crazy Nick Cage who is a blacksmith who forges his own battle axe. Like, it is, like, at one point, there's very little dialogue in this film. At one point, he's, like, he's in this uh, RV talking to his old army buddy, explaining sort of what happened to him the night before. And he's just, he's just like, rambling and stuttering and, like, not really able to make any sense. And he's just, like, the final bit of that's just, like, crazy fucking evil, man. And it's just... Perfect Nick Cage being Nick Cage. And uh, it's a slower film, but, and it's, like I said, it's kind of trippy. You got to be into that sort of Italian giallo style, uh, you know, more cinematic sort of horror experience, you know, more akin to maybe like, you know, the cinematography of a spaghetti Western, but in the horror genre. But Mm -hmm. if you have the patience for this type of film, it is something special, actually. Uh, I give Nick Cage a lot of credit for leaning in. Oh yeah, to to the overacting. There like, is a scene in this where, like, he's he he's, he just finally freed himself from being tied up in this barbed wire. And he goes into the house and he's in the bathroom and he 
pulls out this bottle of vodka and it's just like this long shot on him. He's drinking it. He's like pouring it on his wounds and like he sits down on the toilet. Like obviously he's grimacing. He's in pain as he's doing this. He sits down the toilet and he just all like the emotion of everything that's happened to him just like overwhelms him. And he just starts fucking screaming in a way that yes, it's just Nick Cage completely leaning into and committing to this absolutely yeah. bonkers performance but it just works. He makes it work. My piece of positivity is interestingly going to mirror with this in yeah. some ways. Have you read the Old Man Logan comic series? Um, no, but I am familiar with it. Um, I read it. I think I had read it before because pieces of it rang true to me. But I read it again last night and it was it's rare that it, I've been reading them all online and such. I like had the heart rate going a little bit like I was really into it. So if you're not familiar, um, Logan, it's like 50 years after some sort of cataclysmic superhero event. The villains are in charge. They've kind of carved out the United States into various territories. Uh, Logan has now, you know, moved on with his life. He's a pacifist. He's, you know, got a wife and kids and such, and he's just trying to live his quiet life. And he slowly gets pulled back into things. You find out what happened that drove him into this. I don't want to spoil it, but it's that part that is just. Are you familiar with it? Like, should I spoil it? Should I, I don't not know spoil what it? it is, but um, maybe don't spoil it. I so, guess see if you're recommending it to people. Okay. Maybe don't spoil it. Um, you you find out he's been broken. He admits this at one point because Hawkeye, who's now blind, shows up. Um, and he, you know, he's like basically like Wolverine, what happened to you? And he's like, they broke me. And so the, and when you find out what happened that actually broke him, it's, it's just mind bending. It's amazing. So I recommend it. it. You know, the, the Marvel Digital Unlimited, I think is totally worth it, mainly because my mother in law bought it for me for Christmas. What is it cost? So I've been you know? reading these. Um, I think it's something like, 60 or 70 bucks for the year or something like that. There's a yearly subscription that's doable. Yeah. It's less than I think you would pay for a year of WWE Network. So, and you can read just about anything. They don't have ev everything. And I'm not sure. I've been reading it chronologically since, like, I don't remember. I picked like a random point, like when we were in college, and I've been reading since then. But it was quite hmm. good. Um, all right. Well, Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I've noticed that since we've stopped talking about wrestling, these podcasts are longer than usual. <laughs> Go figure. So we'll, we'll have to figure that out. But anything else you'd like to say, sir, before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to listen to more episodes of DDT Podcast, you can do so by going to your podcast repository of choice, Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or Spotify. Uh, you can um, send us an email if you'd like to have your thoughts right on the air by sending a message to podcast at ddtwrestling.com. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, and how could you, head on over to patreon.com forward slash ddtwrestling to give us just a little bit of financial support. It helps us keep the lights on and the podcast a continuing. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. And until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie?